2: Hey everybody, welcome. But thank you for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. My name is Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. We are here together today with uh, Ian Morgan Cron. Ian is a guy that I met about 30 years ago. He is an author. He's a songwriter. He is a therapist. Um, and he's an Enneagram specialist. He is uh, doing really good work right now making sense of this ancient typing tool. Uh, Meaning personality typing tool that you will learn about here in just a minute first I wanted to give you a reminder that we are still accepting questions uh, anything at all about or around uh, Your interest in sex and intimacy. We have a couple of interviews coming up that I think will be very cool um, And I want to make sure that your questions get answered today. However, we're just kind of bouncing around in this idea of what is your personality? Um, How does it work? How does it serve you? How does it serve you in your relationship? ian introduces us to a brand new uh tool assessment tool that you can take advantage of to learn more about how all of this works um but you're gonna have to wait to find out about that uh toward the end of our interview this is a very cool conversation stick around
1: we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become?
0: Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however, you cha ching. From the launcher online shop stage, Hi, Ian. I'm Laura.
1: Laura, how are you?
0: I'm well. Nice to meet you. I'm, I'm nice probably the, you. The, the piece of that you haven't... I'm guessing you've talked to Zach or Zach's... Have you actually talked to each other or you just been working We haven't Ian's talked to each other people? in
2: 20 years, 25 years. No. Yeah. So, hello, Zach. Hi. We did the... Uh, hey. I was talking mostly to your PR agent. It was... um it was incredible when you first popped into my inbox. I was like, I know that I know exactly who that is. And so I'm glad that we,
0: how do you know each other? How did, what's your previous relationship?
2: I was thinking about this today. Uh, in the early nineties, when I first met you, Ian, you were without question, the most famous person I'd ever met in my whole life. And it was because I had, uh, gotten a cassette tape that you had made of, of music and, um, and you were like a professional, you were like a professional artist. And then somehow I met you through Pam and Dave um, Anderson at the time. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm meeting like a professional, like singer, songwriter guy, you know? And cause I never knew anybody who even knew how to play the guitar, much less record, you know, an mm-hmm. album. And then uh, we orbited each other's lives for a minute until I moved to, I met Rebecca Kendrigan at the time, and she's brittle now. And Moved to Connecticut and all of a sudden, Ian was my pastor for like two years.
0: Oh, yeah, that's very cool. What was that
2: church called? Trinity, yeah, okay, that was that. And then we came out to Seattle and we've been here for 20 years. And yeah, you moved to you're in Nashville now, yeah,
0: I am, yeah. Well, that seems like a good fit. Are you all are you still making good, music?
1: I do, I still, I mean, that's not my job anymore, but I still get invited to songwriting sessions and still get cuts every now and then on other people's records. Right on. But that's more of an avocation. It's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't pay my bills. That's not
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. the -hmm. way it goes.
1: Do you? Well, it sounds like
0: you wear a lot of hats though. So previous pastor or current pastor?
1: Oh, previous, an Episcopal priest.
0: Oh, priest. Okay. Previous priest. Uh, you're not no. Always
1: a, priest. When, when, always when a priest? priest. You're always a priest. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, that's a okay. Yeah, that's uh, a lifelong moniker.
0: Okay. An author, a songwriter, um, a musician. Um, you're also a clinician. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Give me something else. What else you got going on? That's a lot.
1: <laughs> it is. It's a little bit. Sounds like vocational. ADHD of some kind,
0: but a little bit or overachiever, but you know, the, either or,
1: but lots of interests.
0: That's great. Um, what were you going to say, Zach? Sorry. To I was going to say,
2: do you, um, I, we've talked to a couple or in my life. I've talked to sing, some singers and songwriters. And do you, do you know the music that you wrote? Like Rebecca and I, dear to our heart is that song, um, in the heart of a woman. Like, do you still know that song? Do you have it? Like, could you like rip it off right now? No, absolutely not. That see, isn't that fascinating? Like, I could, I can't play it, but I could sing the whole thing to you right now because it's such a special song in our story. Go for it. Zach. Um, Go no, I'm not going to sing it, but <laughs> but I wondered, like, what what does the brain hold uh-huh. and keep, and why? And you created this thing that now lives out there, and you have no control over it, um, but it actually makes people's lives richer. I think that's that. It blows my mind sometimes that that can be the case, but yeah. Mm-hmm. In the heart of a woman, there is a special song. It's a special kind of melody that's hers and hers alone. You know this? Oh, right. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's been a lot of songs written since then.
2: Yes, you know? And true.
1: uh You know, I, I'm i so delighted that you remember it, but I would have to find the lyrics and the song and listen to it a bunch of
2: times before yeah. I could play it again. Yeah. Well, it's lovely. I, I, I might be able to find it for you, but I... I'll have to dig through the attic a little bit.
0: Oh, well, when we hop off, Zach, I will request a full, <laughs> a full, rendition, a full rendition of it. Yeah.
2: Okay. So, but we have you on in because you have transitioned into an expertise around the Enneagram, which I think is fascinating because I found it maybe, I want to say six years ago, and have come to love it. Laura and I kind of, she's been less aggressive about sort of learning it. She was asking me even today, like, what am I? So it be interesting to see if we discern know. that for a second. But, um, but yeah, I would love to talk to you about that. And especially within the context of we're all about trying to figure out how to make marriages happen and work and what that is about. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, first of all, how'd you find it? What is it? And then let's just talk about it.
1: Well, the Enneagram is a, the- it's an ancient personality typing system and it teaches that there are nine basic personality styles in the world one of which we gravitate toward and adopt in childhood as a way to cope to protect ourselves to feel safe and to navigate this new world of relationships in which we we find ourselves as little people and uh it is interesting because each of those nine types has an unconscious underlying motivation driver that powerfully influences how that type habitually and predictably acts, thinks, and feels from moment to moment on a daily basis. And uh, so, it's a very useful tool for understanding the interior architecture of different kinds of people. Hmm.
2: And how did you Can find you. it? How did you how did you transition from kind of the role that I understood you to be in as a, as a kind of a priest and a pastor in this one community in Fairfield County, Connecticut. And now you're kind of found your vocation in this space. Like what was that transition like for you?
1: Well, I mean, it was wonderful. My whole life has been filled with lots of kindnesses uh, and transitions that have all um, been in service, I think, to one goal, uh, which is to, Help people enter into deeper conversation uh, with the mystery of their own lives. And uh, that's why I became a priest, a therapist, a songwriter, a speaker, an Mm -hmm. author. All these things were really uh, to help me in that mission, right, of uh, creating a space for people to discover themselves and uh, who they understand God to be in the world. Um, And so, uh, you know, my transition to the Enneagram, uh, I was first introduced to it in the nineties when I was in graduate school. And, uh, you know, I played with it over the years, about 10 years ago, I decided to really throw myself into it. And then that began this wonderful journey of, you know, writing books on it. And, uh, you know, um, it's a wonderful, the Enneagram is this, you know, it's like any other model, right? It's imperfect. It's not a mm-hmm. it's not like some perfect mysterious uh like Raiders of the Lost Ark thing <laughs> that's uh, going to decode people, you know. It's uh there's a great quote in the book by George Box where he says all models are wrong, but some are useful. I love it. And and so that's how I feel about the enneagram, right? When you're when you're trying to understand the human person, no model is going to be perfect. They're all going to be wrong mm-hmm. at Ooh. some level. Whether it's mm-hmm. Adler or it's Rogers or mm-hmm. it's Carl Jung, it just doesn't matter. They're all wrong. It's just that some are useful, right? Yeah. And there, these are all useful models. Uh, and so when I discovered it, and began to work with it, I was like, this is really helpful, right? Not perfect, but it's super helpful and if it even gave people 10% more clarity hmm. about the operating style of different types of people, fantastic. Love to help.
2: When I teach it to, when I introduce it to couples in my practice, um, I always sort of offer up this kind of opening salvo, which is sort of like, yeah, the Enneagram, it's da, da, da. It's sort of like you said, it's it's ancient typing. So I said, so it's kind of like, some ways it's not all that different than if you took a Buzzfeed quiz to find out which game of Thrones character you were, like it would sort of give you a persona from which then to begin to make meaning and to to add vocabulary so that you can kind of begin to, you know, make sense of how, how these relationships work. And, but I love it too because it's, it's deep and it's wide. And there's sort of always something that you can kind of attach to as you're trying to figure out how to, um, again, make sense of what, how do I move through this world? So that's, that's cool.
0: Can I, can I hear about, because I know that some people have really gone deep in, in the Enneagram, but am I say am I saying it correctly? Enneagram, Enneagram. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really understand it. Uh, I I guess I understand you might have a type and maybe some wings. Have you described that? Is that a thing?
2: (laughs) That's a thing. Can we go
0: through? Because what I'd love and and is it possible for listeners or even myself to hear you describe them and go, oh, okay, that sounds like me. That sounds like something. eh."
1: Well, I mean, I do eight hour workshops at a time. Uh, So (laughs) and I could easily write a book a 200 page book on each of these types. Yeah. So wow. for me to do something exhaustive on it would be impossible, right? Uh, uh as Zach said, this is the Enneagram is is easy to learn but it's very hard to master. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a great deal to it. And um uh so uh it's uh again it's it's not Actually, Zach, you mentioned this earlier, and I'm going to push back a little bit against it. I don't think you meant it. Love this way. a good pushback yeah. on Zach. But, yeah, I love, love it, but but it's nothing like some uh, sort of a, a clickbait quiz that you can take to figure out one of your types. Right. Uh, the system is uh, far more sophisticated uh, than that, uh, and I and whenever I see those, I usually kind of roll my eyes and and. <sighs> my shoulders slump because it's so misleading to people and invariably they're wrong, right? About whatever it is that they're telling people they, they might be. Anyhow, uh, I can do a run through of those nine types and all I can do is give you a couple of sentence description of the unconscious Mm -hmm. motivation of each of those nine types. Could the problem with it is, is that you are all nine types. So Mm -hmm. people are going to hear, pieces of themselves in all nine types it's just that one of them is dominant there's one Mm -hmm. that sounds more like you Mm -hmm. than the other eight right okay and that can take uh some time and discernment to figure out what your type might be um so it's not as simple as it might sound yeah Okay. I told Laura, okay. it took
2: me four years. Like when I first got it, I was like, oh, I'm this. And then like, no, maybe I'm kind of this. And then finally I w- I settled into one that I was like, this is what I definitely am. And then I started mm-hmm. interacting with somebody who was, who understood it and who really had a a, a deep, deep, holy kind of wisdom around it. And she was like, mm, I think you're kind of over here. And the second that happened, I was like, oh yeah. So I'm an eight. I feel very confident that I'm an eight. And that is just sort of where I live. Rebecca is a two. Um, so we have that information that we use in our relationship. And so I have some certainty around it. It'd be interesting to hear what you would offer somebody who knows what they're talking about. And then there's Laura who is kind of like, I think maybe I'm a seven or we think maybe she's a seven. And there's kind of this other thing that she's sort of sorting through. So I I totally endorse that it's, it is not a clickbaity thing. My only point in that story was about how getting new vocabulary period about how you think about your stuff is helpful. This is just the deeper, wider experience of that. And I do not like the apps, right? The apps are just like, Oh, here, just click these nine buttons, take this 42nd quiz and see if you're there. But I do love the, the narrative journey through it. And so I'm interested in that piece of it, as you kind of think out loud about whether it's the nine types or the holistic thing, because I want to know, how does it, how does it hit the ground? Hey gang, this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio is brought to you by our favorite producers of male grooming products, Manscaped. They are the global leaders in, well, manscaping. And they're leaving 2002 with brand new products, Persevere Cologne and Persevere Body Wash. 2023 is the year to up your hygiene game and smell amazing. And Manscaped wants to help you do so with this special offer. Go to manscaped.com MTR for 20% off plus free shipping. Take the leap into the new year and join the 7 million men who already trust Manscaped. 2023 is on the way, and why not make it the best yet? I am a big fan of perseverance. It's one of my favorite themes, and I love that they've named their new products after that theme. Go ahead and get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash MTR. That's 20% off with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash MTR. Happy New Year to you and yours from Marriage Therapy Radio. All right,
1: so ones are called the improvers, and these are people who are Diligent, conscientious, analytical, Um, they are people who can improve anything, and uh, their unconscious motivation is a need to perfect themselves, others, and the world, and to avoid fault and blame. Now, twos are called the helpers, sometimes the givers. Uh, these people are warm, they're supportive, they're kind, they're generous. They have what I would call a wide circle of concern, meaning that they can create very safe places into which people can come and share the story of their lives uh, in uh, very deep ways, very quickly. Right. The twos just seem to help people, you know, go deep pretty fast. Right. Yeah, now, that's right that, like said, that said. OK, so that said, though. And I'm going into the one of the things the Enneagram does is it, it doesn't just tell you what's great about you. It's also going to tell you what <laughs> is not so great about you. So, Rebecca, here you go. Uh, uh-huh. the, the, way, the thing that twos really want is they really want to be liked. And all of us want to be liked. But twos really want to be liked. Yeah, They want to be appreciated and they want uh, to uh, receive actually messaging around appreciation. Uh, and their, their strategy for win appreciation is through meeting the needs of others. Mm-hmm. So they have this powerful need to meet the needs of others as a strategy and sometimes as a calculated strategy mm-hmm. to win other people's love. Threes are called the performers, sometimes the achievers, uh, competitive, ambitious. Uh, goal-oriented, they love a to-do list, Uh, they are just productivity machines. Their unconscious motivation is a need to succeed, to appear successful, and to avoid failure at all costs. Fours are called the individualists. I am a four on the Enneagram. Uh, Very, very creative, imaginative, disproportionately represented in the creative arts. Um, they can be moody, they can be temperamental, they can be self-absorbed, um, think think Kurt Cobain or Amy Winehouse. Um, Mm. and, uh, they, which actually kind of reveals that they at times have a depressive melancholy side to them. Mm. Mm. Their unconscious motivation is a need to be special and unique as a way of compensating for what they perceive as a, is a missing piece in their essential makeup. Uh, without which they'll never feel at home in in the
2: world, right? Uh, Never achieving belongingness. um, Um, I'm raising a four. So I have two daughters. They're 16 and 20. I
0: was wondering if you were going to tap into that. And Abby
2: is, uh, she's an actress. So she's in the performing arts. She's a four. This is something that we've heard before. Tell me if this resonates with you. Fours are always the most unique person in the room, even if the room is full of fours. Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes.
2: <laughs> right yes
1: well and, and oftentimes the unevolved four uh will feel in a way like a worm but like a very special worm okay <laughs> you know we, why would they, they feel be, like a worm well i mean i'm just making you know it's a little bit like uh they can be you know egomaniacs with the inferiority complexes mm. you know it's the, the 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 four is probably is the most complex number on the enneagram Nines tend to be the most uh what you see is what you get people uh mm-hmm. and whereas fours man you just just when you think you've gotten to the bottom of them you realize there is no bottom you know uh mm. there's they are as much of a mystery to themselves as they are to you okay uh, hmm. that's great so news. fives yeah fives are called the investigators uh and Ah, uh, these people are the most analytical, detached, uh, emotionally distant number on the enneagram. Uh, these are folks who have a compulsive need to aggregate information and knowledge, particularly about niche subjects, as a way to fend off feelings of inadequacy uh, and ineptitude. Right? These are people who are very, very private. Um, they, uh, they, they, they. Too much time with other people depletes fives, mm. right? And they have to retreat uh, into the, really into the castle of the mind to recharge uh, and to be in a space where they feel most confident.
2: Is that right? different than being
1: an introvert? Most fives I know are introverts, though I know some who are extroverts. Yeah. Um, or, you know, uh, there's a subtype of fives that is more uh, yeah. extrovert than another. but. Uh introversion and extroversion are just it's a it's a it's another whole other conversation totally. to beyond mm-hmm. the Enneagram because it can it can vary greatly. Yeah. Um I would say most three sevens sevens, and eights I know are extroverts, but mm-hmm. I've met introverted eights. Right?
2: Yeah. so That's me for sure. That's yeah.
1: Um so uh, sixes we think there are more sixes in the in the general population than any other type. They're they're called the loyalists. Um They are warm, they're earthy, they're very witty. Uh, They are community-minded, but they are people who uh, wrestle with fear. And because of that, they have a compulsive need for security, safety, and certainty. Uh, These are worst-case scenario thinkers who are always scanning the horizon, looking for what might go wrong, and they're always planning and preparing for it, right? Mm As a way to feel safe in what feels to them like a very unpredictable and chaotic world. Um, Sevens, the joy bombs of the Enneagram, they're called enthusiasts. Funny, spontaneous, adventure-minded, always in need of options, always thinking and planning for a future of unlimited possibilities. But, you know, their search for fun and entertainment is really a strategy for avoiding painful Feelings, circumstances, and thoughts. Okay. Eights, the challengers, uh, very, very quickly. Uh, typically aggressive. Uh, well, let me put it this way. Uh, they can be aggressive in their less evolved state. Uh, notoriously blunt, straight-talking, excessive people. They're always, it's too much talking. It's too much, too much. Work. It's too much pleasure. It's t- it's just too it's just too much. There's mm-hmm. just a lot of intensity around them. Um, they have a need to assert strength and control over others in the environment uh, in order to uh, mask vulnerability and weakness, both from themselves and others. And then finally, the nines are called the yep. peacemakers. Um, I'm married to one. I'm a father to one. Great human beings. Um, <laughs> they are. They're called the the sweethearts of the Enneagram. They're a lot like twos, but there are some important differences. Warm, um, supportive, easygoing. Don't upset the apple cart. Go with the flow. Hakuna matata. People you've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, their dark side is is that uh, they they avoid individuation and differentiation they they avoid they, they tend to merge with larger personalities and become uh-huh. literally selfless right and they uh, have a great deal of trouble inserting their own viewpoints and opinions their own pursuing their own life program Hmm. And they, they want to maintain connection with others at all costs. And the strategy for that is by avoiding failure. Uh, they, the most, I mean, avoiding, uh, conflict. They're the most conflict avoidant number on the enneagram.
2: So there's hmm. your nine. Very, yeah. very okay. fast.
0: That was interesting. Or do you have a question? Y- you had said earlier, you thought maybe a seven for me because one of my biggest values and family sort of mantra is adventure, but I don't, I did not see me as the enthusiast. Okay. Yeah. Did you, did you I saw you vigorously nodding your
2: head when Ian was describing the three.
0: I a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how it goes. Um, I think people
2: so have to sort of sort this out through conversation um, mm-hmm. and just sort of discovery and kind of going, oh, that fits and that doesn't fit. I mean, that's why it's better than this sort of app scenario. But I, I want to ask this question um, as an eight, I guess. So what? So what now? Now challenging. I'm an eight married to a two. You're a four married mm-hmm. to a nine. Laura might be a seven. She might be a three. We don't know what Ryan is. That's her husband. But I'm going to go with an eight. Now, now what?
0: Unfortunately, same as you. What do
2: we do now, Ian? Mm-hmm.
0: Well,
1: let's just face it. You know, uh, a key predictor of success in marriage, for example, is self-awareness. Like, so so many people walk through life on autopilot they're completely mm-hmm. sound asleep uh, and because of that because they don't understand themselves what what drives them they don't understand why they continually act think and feel in ways that are so self-defeating <laughs> right mm-hmm. it's just like they look in the rearview mirrors of their life and they're like again I mm-hmm. I just keep doing the same thing again and again mm-hmm. and again Um so so I think it's very difficult to be in, in healthy generative relationships with other people without a high degree of self knowledge. So, uh, or let me just put it this way: it's very helpful without self knowledge. You just tend to bang guardrail to guardrail through people's lives, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the more self knowledge you have, the less friction and the more emotional wisdom you have as you move through the world. So. That's why it's important for you to know. And it's also about living mindfully. Um, I am Because I know my type very, very well, I'm able to spot in real time when I am beginning to exhibit very unhealthy patterns. Mm-hmm. And I am able to cut them off at the pass far quicker than I ever did before I knew the Enneagram. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I've been having this conversation with multiple clients. So Zach and I are both Um, certified Gottman therapists, we work with couples. And all week long, I've been talking to couples about being able to be self aware enough to be able to communicate to your partner, when you might be heading into a space that just lights you up. And I say that in a way of like, really touching on like polyvagal theory, sends you into a place of insecurity and feeling uh, just really activated how can you communicate that to your partner and then have your partner be aware of you enough to know what can I do that's going to be self-soothing in the presence of my partner that's getting activated? We have this conversation because Thanksgiving is incredibly activating for people. (laughs) And Zach and I talk about once Halloween hits, it is basically this downward slide when we think about like the polyvagal ladder, moving from a place of insecurity and comfort and connection all the way down to dorsal. And how can you be self aware enough? And I like this is adding language more for people to be able to say, this is who I am. This is what I know about myself. I know who you are as well, which from the Gottman lens is love mapping knowing your partner, the inner workings of your partner's worldview and how their mind works, how their body works, all of that. And being able to make choices in order to live in harmony with each other in as much harmony as you possibly can. So that's been a really interesting conversation. I can see this being very helpful to be able to give more language, like you said, Zach, for self-awareness.
1: Yeah. One of the gifts, I mean, I hear people at workshops I lead. I mean, most of my workshops in the corporate space, but when I, when Mm -hmm. I'm working with people outside of that, you know, what I hear from people a lot is the Enneagram saved my marriage. Hmm. And, uh, part of the reason for that is it gave people a shared vocabulary with which they could begin to talk about their inner world with each other. And they began to realize, Oh, your behavior, I don't have to take it personally. Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. this is just warp and woof of of who the way you move through the world, not necessarily who you are. Because I don't think you're, I definitely don't believe your personality is who you are. I mean, I just, I don't believe that. Wait, I mean
2: Ian Morgan Cron is saying, I don't believe that your personality is who you are. No, absolutely not. Your, your personality is
1: a set of adaptive stratagems, uh, partly informed by genetics and temperament, I think, that have just helped you move through the world. You know, I believe that underneath personality, there's a core essence of personhood, a sacred essence. Mm. Now I'm moving into my kooky woo woo space. Yeah. But, uh, Let's, a core go essence, Let's go there. Let's go there. Some people uh, in some places would call it true self. Um, you know, uh, certainly, um, you know, Thomas Merton would uh and boy, this—I like, cannot remember. I can't believe I don't remember this right now. Who the therapist, the famous therapist who spoke about the true and false self? Anyhow, that would be um, uh, the language that I might use. Is like who you were before the world told you who you were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's underneath personality. Interesting. Right now, we can't move through the world without a personality. It's just you know we have to figure out how to show up for life as little people, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, you know, let me just say, I think your personality obviously is something you have, but that, that's how we talk about it. We say so-and-so mm-hmm. has a nice personality. We don't say, oh, so-and-so is a nice personality,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? It, so uh, think of it more like a, a protective wrapping around a true self that could not move safely through the world without risking annihilation. Yeah. So, when you
0: say personality, are you referring to your enneagram type as your personality?
1: Yeah, it's a personality style. Uh, okay. And uh, and I would just sort of without going into highly clinical language about what is the personality, because let's face it, every it seems like every school of psychology has a different totally per, you know theory about personality development.
2: That's how they still and it's right. It's
1: widely contested. Right. Everybody argues about it all the time. Uh, I just think of it as how people show up for life. That's how I define it for people. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do you typically show up for life and how other people expect you to show up for life uh, in in any given day? Uh, Mm -hmm. And when you depart from it, people say things like, oh, boy, Zach's not himself today.
2: Mm -hmm. It's like,
1: oh, wait a minute. You are not acting in the ways that I have come to understand you to act on a consistent basis. Right. Mm -hmm but again i i don't I don't want people thinking that their personality is the sum total of their identity. In fact, I would say that part of the reason people get in trouble in life is because they over identify themselves with their personality mm-hmm. like this is who i am it's like no, 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 be careful mm. uh, I mm-hmm. think your identity is far richer and deeper and more beautiful than what your personality would present as mm. and also your personality is something that that requires us to work with in order to become its highest expression of health in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But let's face it, some people have very unhealthy personalities. Sometimes, if, if we believe the DSM, and I'm a little... I have a very ambivalent relationship with the <laughs> DSM, right? But, but, I mean, we can have personality disorders, right? And mm-hmm. so, there are pathologies related to personality. Um, and so... You know, one of the things the Enneagram does is sort of help us uh, move into a a healthy expression or the healthiest expression of our particular personality style.
2: Hmm. I like uh, you, you, like my, my, my hairs went up when you said this idea of like, well, this is just who I am. I mean, obviously I hear more men say that than women, like this is who I am like this. But it seems like what you're suggesting is that the kind of the proper way of thinking about that. Impulse is not necessarily this is just who I am, but this is just how I'm coping right now. This is how I'm making sense of the world right now, and then that needs another layer of inquiry about, yeah, know, why I can't take out the garbage or why I'm unwilling to, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. compromise. Usually it. when
1: people usually when people say something like, oh, this is just who I am, it's unconscious resistance to doing the work. Mm. Uh, and, or it's, they're usually mm-hmm. trying to tell somebody else what they have to do. That's another form of resistance to mm-hmm. the work. You know, it's like, well, you're an eight, so you got to work on this. That's usually me trying to escape looking at myself and the work I have to do. Uh, and I love that perspective. Yeah. And I think, you know, so for you, Zach is an eight, you know, when, when you begin to power up and throw your elbows around and become a little bullish, uh, uh, then with some self-awareness and, and, and conscious awareness in the moment, you can begin to put, to holster the pistols and say, yeah. you know what, this is not going to end well for me or the person that <laughs> I'm treating right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I need to move back and begin to exercise uh, skills that I have. I might have to, you know, burn some calories, you know, to, yeah. to, to employ relative to other types. Um, but, but if I, how
2: do you get the to, other person to do the stuff? I want them to do the stuff. <laughs>
0: like yeah. We were just talking about that before you hopped well, on and we had a little, I mean, if I don't tell them to do the stuff, session. how are they
1: going to know to do the stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know how telling people to do the stuff ends. <laughs> <laughs>
2: totally. Well, you know, the thing I was describing up not appearing to your next session uh, before mm-hmm. you came on, we were, I was describing kind of what's going on in my world right now. I'm married to a two, I'm raising a 20 year old four, but I'm also raising a 16 year old eight. And when the two of us get into it, we're just like, like it just it goes hot fast and so i'm like but i got okay so slow down shoulder the i mean holster the pistols you know do the burn some calories okay but i still need her to do the stuff you know
1: yeah i mean but you can do it with empathy and understanding sure right yeah. uh in a way that let me give you a story really fast um, to uh, to help people understand because this will actually relate to you zach okay because it's about an eight and a four So a friend of mine is an Enneagram teacher uh, We did a day long workshop at the end of which a guy came up to me and said, uh, you know, um, over the course of this day, I realized that I'm an eight and I have a son who I haven't spoken to in five or six years. Uh, we've been estranged. Um, and I came to realize today that he's a four and I've realized that during the course of this day, that I tried to make him into a facsimile of me. I Mm. thought that would be success as a father, but he's a poet and I'm a construction guy. Mm. I own a construction company. I'm a black or white, hard ass kind of person. My son is a sensitive poet. And uh, he went home that night and sat down with his son. He called him, said, I'm just begging you to come over. I've learned something. They hadn't seen each other in years. They stayed up to like four or five in the morning, uh, and it was a very tearful and beautiful night of, of reconciliation, or beginning of reconciliation. And um, he called this teacher uh, about a couple weeks later and said, look, I, I'm just calling to tell you that uh, that my son was killed in a car accident 10 days ago. And he said, uh, it's tragic, it's terrible, we're heartbroken, however, I wanted you to know that if I hadn't learned the Enneagram, Mm. that I never would have understood him or he, me, and we never would have had that reconciliation prior to his death. Now, that's what's at stake in stuff like Mm self-knowledge. You you know what I'm saying? Like -hmm. like for you as an eight with a parent of a four, you go into a conversation and understand their inner architecture, and uh, suddenly what awakens is Empathy, understanding, mm-hmm. compassion. Uh, you know what it's like to stand in their shoes. Yes, it can be frustrating. Yes, it can be inefficient. It would be really so much faster if I, <laughs> they just did what I told them to yeah. do. Oh, Damn it. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. that life is messier than that. You know that. Uh, and th- so these are the – this is the reason self-knowledge is – so
2: important. Yeah. And I think, but, but you're also saying other knowledge is important. Like I think, oh, yeah. you know, if you, if you realize you're the parent to a four or you're married to a nine, you still have to figure out like, what does their number mean? Right. Like I think, yeah. Um, there's something about mm-hmm. not simply understanding yourself, but really learning, learning and leaning into, okay, what, what's going on for them. And there's nothing universal about it. Right. Cause different, the eights and twos are different than eights and fours and eights and, and sevens and threes are different than fours and nines. Like it's a whole like alchemy almost that comes together when you, when you gain vocabulary. Yeah. We have a,
1: a test called the IEQ nine partnership partners test. I've seen it. And Ooh. what it does is it back, if you took it, it would give you, you and your wife took it. It would give you a, a result for an eight and a two. I love it. And it gives a 44 page report about how eights and twos relate, the work they can do, the struggles they have, the, the strengths that they have. I mean, it's, it's a very comprehensive instrument. I love it. And as you guys know, uh, psychometric instruments are very, very, the construction of a psychometric instrument is very, very complicated. And it requires a real scientific mind. It requires research psychologists who are experts in putting them together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why when you see clickbait crap or you see tests that haven't had any reliable validation work done on them, they're mm-hmm. just the margin of errors are way too big.
2: Or the YouTube videos about what Avengers or which number, like, oh yeah, the oh, Hulk is a six. Yeah. And the, and the <laughs> oh, God.
1: <gosh>. Anyway, <laughs> so this is a highly validated instrument, uh, yeah. and that's why I, I say I'm it again. Always proud to be a, the IEQ nine. Okay, and and the place to get it is on my website, which is Ian Cron i a n c r o n dot com.
2: Yeah, I love it. I'm gonna I'll, I'll do it this afternoon because um, I am in search of more information and knowledge. Um, what else are you up to, Ian? Like you, you've got the IEQ I E Q
0: I E Q nine.
2: Is the EQ in the middle there? Uh, what is that? What is I E Q for? intelligence. Well, it's like
1: emotional intelligence. I mean, it's sort of a yeah. take on emotional quotient, sure. but
2: you know, perfect. Yeah. I love it. I love that. I love the, the impetus and the theory. Um, so what else are you up to? You're speaking um, mostly to corporate scenarios. Are there ways that the layperson can access uh, your wisdom? I know you've got books that we want to talk about and the IQ nine, but tell us how to tell us what you're up to.
1: Well, man, I have lots of, I mean, I have three great courses, uh, that people can also get on my website. One is called uh, Discovering You, which is about how to figure out your Enneagram type uh, and to learn and to explore it. Uh, you can buy it as a set of nine, or you can buy just your type and yeah. learn about it. Uh, there is a uh, another course called True You, which is kind of the 2.0 version of the Enneagram. It's going to go into deeper material. We just today releasing a course on the Enneagram in the workplace, these are, these are courses that are like nine hours. So they're not, well, this is not like, you know, an hour long sort of yeah. like fly they're, they're It's pretty rich material with, with really great production value. Um, obviously my book, The Road Back to You, which is a primer uh, on the Enneagram. My other book on the Enneagram, uh, which is, uh, you know, the story of you, which is kind of a narrative approach to the Enneagram. It's like, uh, it's like the Enneagram through the lens of narrative therapy is kind of what it is mm. um, and then uh, I do a lot of work, although not not publicly right now, but I do a ton of work in the recovery space um, and which I love that's sort of a deep passion for me, but probably in the future that'll become more of a public working piece of my. My vocational. I love it.
0: It's interesting that you, you mentioned that because I was thinking about, thinking about numbing. I was thinking about escape. I was thinking about all the ways that we do, what we do to avoid pain and discomfort and looking at all of, as you were going through and describing all nine, I was just thinking Sometimes it just doesn't feel comfortable or it doesn't feel right or it's unacceptable for you to show up in a certain way. Kind of how you were describing this four with a parent that was an eight. And it was like how unacceptable it must have felt to be a four in that household. And what do you do when you don't feel accepted or you don't feel like you have a sense of belonging? You might mm-hmm. numb out or you might, you know, escape in certain ways. And so my brain immediately went to like kind of the dark side of what happens when it's. You're unloved for who you are, unaccepted for who you are. A whole other conversation. But I. I Well, you know, all of
1: us, all of us have that presumption Mm -hmm. as little people. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, regardless of how charmed a childhood you had, uh, the fact of the matter is uh, being brought into a world that works, clearly something is wrong, Mm -hmm. right? All of us come into family systems and schools and coaches and teams and peer groups where we received the, the, the real or perceived message that there's something not quite acceptable about us. Mm-hmm. Right. If you think about it, in many ways, your Enneagram number reveals the strategy that you continue to use to avoid the pain of a childhood wound again. Mm.
2: Yeah. So, you,
1: and know, you know, who's really good at bringing up
2: the pain of your childhood wound Your spouse, your
1: partner, (laughs) 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 they are your greatest, they are your greatest friend and your greatest torturer. They're the, they are both at the same time.
2: So we find all that at iancron.com. Yeah. I-A-N-C-R-O-N.com. And then we can access these tools and this wisdom and the IEQ9 in order to help us gain deeper insight into ourselves and to the other. Yeah. Yes, sir. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on today and for visiting with us. I, um, I love hearing your voice when I, when I got, uh, is it the road back to you? Is that yours? Mm-hmm. When I got, yes. there's another one though that you, cause you kind of, there's a, the of a sister book, not and yours, but the story one. of you. Yeah. The story, the story of you. Of you. Anyway, I was reading, I, was, I downloaded it and I was like, oh, this is gonna be fun. I was on a road trip and then I was like, it's actually Ian's voice. And that was, uh, this like <laughs> blast from the past, which was really fun. So I'm glad we were able to catch up to you and speak to you in real time. And, uh, thanks for giving us some of that this morning. That's uh, my pleasure. Nice to see you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. Ian Morgan Cron. That was incredible. I am, I'm actually on his website right now. So it's Ian Morgan Cron. Um, Cron is C-R-O-N is in Nancy.com and he does he just has so many free resources he has his new book The Story of You uh, he's also the author of The Road Back to You he has those online uh, videos that you can watch and just so many resources check him out I think what I landed on, Zach, is I think that I landed that I am the achiever. That's where I think I landed. I don't know if I have been identifying that in the last couple of years, maybe because of COVID. Who knows? But And I also think that my husband is the challenger, uh, which I mentioned is the same as Zach. That makes me want to vomit in my mouth. Anyway, thank you for all of your time and attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday.